Grab your Bibles, team. We are going to Proverbs 8. And just uh, have them open in front of you. Um, Next few weeks through January, we are talking about community. So we're doing summer sessions, so just on at 10 a.m. And one of the things we wanted to work through as a team is renewed community. Um, We want to encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, to jump in a connect group. There's a little yellow card at the back next to Anne that you can sign up for a connect group. Uh, Encourage you to do that if you haven't done that. Um, Those of you who are in, uh, who were in Johan's group uh, and you still want to be in a group, let me know. We're trying to figure out a, a best possible solution for that and how to get you well connected into a new group. But our goal here is not to get you into a group, even though that's what I've been saying a lot of. It's to help promote healthy community because over the past two years, almost three years now, there has been some interruptions to community. And uh, for the large part, that has been due to COVID. So we've seen the church close down. We've seen the church start back up again. And I'm talking about a public Sunday service here. Sorry, I should say that more specifically. We've had a public Sunday service start up, shut down. We've had connect groups start up, shut down, start up, shut down. And there's been a constant swell of interruptions. Not only that, when we went online, we started to form new habits, which was we don't go to church on a Sunday. In fact, we sit at home in our PJs and watch church online and enjoy it with our families. Some of us, we really enjoyed that. Um, And so what we're seeing as we're going into 2022 is a re-establishment of community. And the year has started with the same level of anxiety and confusion and disruption that the previous two years have started with. In fact, you know, if if you're you're not allowed to say it because it's private, but there's a transition team um, text group, right? And we're like on a Thursday, what what are we doing about church? Are we having church? Are we not having church? How are we going to do this? And we had a, a fairly robust discussion about what the most appropriate thing was to do. And we felt like, well, we're going to keep in step as we have been previously to this with what the um, Department of Health issues. And right now we can have church. So we're going to continue to have church and we're going to do it COVID safe way, which is why we're all wearing face masks. But there's that level, right, of anxiety and confusion and frustration because rules change constantly. In fact, if, if you were on it, uh, Friday, was that Friday the 8th? Yeah, Saturday the 8th. Saturday the 8th whole bunch of new rules came in. And one of them related to singing. Is singing for weddings and for funerals or is it for church and how do we do it? And, you know, that took, you know, kind of an hour and a half to unpack and figure out what were we allowed to do. But this is the world we're living in. And anxiety is not particularly healthy for growing community. And I think, you know, as you walk through the obvious things, these interruptions that we've had to community, uh, it can be really easy to say, okay, well, these are the things we've got to overcome is that we are used to being in our homes and isolating and separating. But as part of community, it's actually healthy for us to come together and to meet up. 
let, you know, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching, right? Like we, <laughs> we can quote passages that connect us to community. But one of the things I thought, because over the next four weeks we're going to unpack community more robustly, is talking about those things that hinder community. And I've just addressed a whole bunch of them. But there's one that I haven't addressed that I actually want to push in a little bit deeper on, okay? And, and to get there, we need to understand journalistic integrity. That's where we're going to start. And you're like, this, well, how does this relate to community? Well, let me unpack it in a second. So in 1914, a man named Walter Williams created the journalistic creed, Okay. It hangs above the National Press Club in uh, Washington, D.C. He later became the founding dean of the Missouri School of Journalism. And there's a whole bunch, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points. I'm not going to read them all. Um, The third one says, I believe that clear thinking and clear statement, accuracy and fairness are fundamental to good journalism. Amen, right? Good one. Uh, Point five. I believe that no one should write as a journalist what he would not say as a gentleman. That bribery by one's own pocketbook is as much to be avoided as bribery by the pocketbook of another. That individual responsibility may not be escaped by pleading another's instructions... Or another's dividends. Impartiality. Not given to bribery. Could almost pick a psalm. Who can ascend your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless. Who does what is right. Right? You find that early on in psalms. I believe that advertising news and editorial columns should alike serve the best interests of the readers, that a single standard of helpful truth and cleanness should prevail for all, that the supreme test of good journalism is the measure of its public service. It's a good one. I like that one as well. This is the last one. And this kind of gives you an insight different times, okay? I believe that journalism succeeds at best and best deserves success, fears God and honours man. Amen. Well, this is starting well, isn't it? Is stoutly independent, unmoved by pride of opinion or greed of power, constructive Tolerant, but never careless, self-control, patient, always respectful of its readers, but always unafraid, is quickly indignant at injustice, is unswayed by the appeal of privilege or the clamour of the mob, seeks to give every man a chance, and as far as is law, an honest and wage and recognition of the human brotherhood, so it can make so that it gives equal chance, is profoundly patriotic while sincerely promoting international goodwill and cementing world comradeship, is a journalism of humanity. 
and one for today's world. (sighs) Every profession has a code of ethics. Pastors have a code of ethics. Journalism has a code of ethics. Um, And this is not, by the way, an argument about COVID in any way, shape or form. Okay, this is... It's got nothing to do with that whatsoever. But this is to do with journalistic integrity and what we read and consume. Because what good journalism does is not necessarily what we read on the internet. If you were to pick a news source today... Every single one of them has a bent. CNN has an angle. MSNBC has an angle. Fox has an angle. The ABC has an angle. The Sydney Morning Herald, Fairfax, has an angle. They are all writing with a particular agenda at mind. Now, when you add into this the internet, the internet wants to advertise to you. Its goal is to make money off you. So when you do a search in Google, the results that it returns are not the most accurate to the search, but the most accurate to the things that you will click on. It is trying to curate results in a way that you will like and engage. And that's what social media does. So social media has algorithms on Facebook and on Instagram and if you're on any of those platforms. They're all curated to give you stuff that you like in the hopes that you will click and engage with that. And what happens is the internet becomes an echo chamber of all the things that you like with the hopes that you will engage with that and promote advertising dollars by clicking on the story. Your time in that story allows them to make money. That's the whole purpose of the internet. The best way I can kind of explain this is like my diet... I love donuts. But I need to eat Brussels sprouts. The internet says, I see that you like donuts. Here's some donuts. While you're looking at those donuts, would you also be interested in cake, which is like a donut, but it's bigger? And I go, Oh, yes, I would be interested in some cake. Oh, I see you like cake and donuts. Would you be fascinated in some breakfast treats? Did you know that there's muffins, cake for breakfast? I did not know about cakes for breakfast. Let me click on that as well. That's the way the internet works. Because it knows that if it gives me a Brussels sprout, I'm not going to click on it. I'm not interested in Brussels sprouts. It is not something that I delight or enjoy. And so the internet figures that out and goes, I will no longer serve him Brussels sprouts. The problem is, is that now my diet consists of donuts, cake, breakfast cake, 
and all these sweet things. And I'm not being fed anything that is going to challenge or change my opinion. Which, and this is the challenge to all of this, starts to radicalize me to a particular point of view. And we see that in our church. Is that like in society, our internet has curated all the topics that we see to the very things that we like. So if you, if, you were to, if you were to jump on Instagram on my phone, okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff about wood turning. I love bowls being spun and carved with those tools, okay? Instagram knows that. I love resin and wood tables, there's a whole bunch of resin and wood tables. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There's a whole bunch of jiu-jitsu tournaments and action stuff. There's a lot of photos of really beautiful beaches. I love the ocean. That's why I live on Kalani Heights because I want to get to the ocean quickly. That is the curated sum of all the things that I love on the internet. You jump on my wife's Instagram, completely different. It actually looks completely different to my internet because the things that she loves are different to the things that I like. The problem is, is that if I base all my information solely on the things that I'm fed on the internet, I'm radicalized to a point of view. I could walk out of here and say that the world loves watching videos of wood turning. But we all laugh because we know it's not true. This creates a challenge in church because all our internet has been radicalized to our own personal beliefs. And what we're trying to create in a church is a diversity of community, a diversity of opinion, but a universality of surrender before Jesus. But what we see in the church is a radicalization towards the left and towards the right, and an individualization of opinion, which is that every single person in this room is right on whatever topic is you're talking about because you saw it on the internet. But we fail to realize that the internet is just trying to sell us stuff and is radicalizing us to all the stuff that we just like. <laughs> and the challenge with that is that what traditional journalism set out to do, which may, of course, be abrasive and confrontational, and difficult to read and challenging to our personal beliefs no longer really exists because it doesn't sell. It's a Brussels sprout in a world of donuts. And donuts sell and Brussels sprouts don't on the internet. And so one of the challenges we have to do is overcome this and find a place where we are universally surrendered before God whilst acknowledging that there is an individualization taking place through all our social media and internet channels that's making our opinion echo over and over and over again, whether or not it's right or wrong is not the point. We're trying to sell a product which is not journalism. It's clickbait. 
added into this further hindrances that we see in our church that are going to stand in the way of community is that we have seen a lot of egregious examples of hypocrisy from many prominent church leaders that have been found to be abusive and corruptive in their behavior, which has diminished the trust of the church, hasn't it? Because this guy isn't as holy as he or she might present themselves. And because of the universality of media, we are fed that over and over again. And that diminishes trust. It's one of the things that I've been trying to process through in my head. How do you lead a church where you are not domineering, where you are not controlling, where you are not coercive, where you have an appropriate level of accountability, with also an appropriate level of freedom to lead in a structure that promotes us to chase after God that still allows discipline and discipleship and accountability whilst not doing coercion and domineering. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of balls in the air, isn't there? So we have this polarizing framework. We have a loss of trust with leadership. And we've also got a place with a church, and it's been highlighted as a result of COVID, doesn't feel quite like it is doing or fulfilling the Great Commission because it doesn't quite know how to evangelize in a post-Christian, secularized world. It's really easy when in your journalistic creed you can say God-fearing journalism. You could not say that today. Journalists would be out. It's not something we want to do. And so this is where we have to reform community. And how do we do that well? I think the first place is, is we need to start with a giant measure of humility. Humble leaders are the best leaders, right? I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it together. I think... I said in one of the texts, I don't think it was in our group chat, but I was like, I hate all of this. <laughs> Trying to figure out what we can do, what we can't do. I hate it and I'm exhausted by it, right? There is a humanity and a fragility to whatever leader stands up here. There needs to be an honesty and a transparency that we are all humbly trying to figure it out before God, that humility has to be a place where we start. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom that comes from Proverbs on this. So I'm going to start a little bit earlier. Proverbs 8, 32 to 36. Now then, my sons and daughters, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. I am an active guy. I want to actively figure out a way to move things, to catalyze change, to build upon, to promote growth, uh, physically, spiritually, personally. To give you a good example, I love to learn. So uh, Friday of this week, uh, I did my first ever voice acting class. We, I know, which you know, like you're never too late to learn. Is my attitude right? Like, there's, there's, you, oftentimes people will say, "Oh, I only wish if I had started it earlier." You're not dead. You're not done. So start it now. Like, there's no point in complaining about it. You might as well just start the new project, right? So I was like, "Well, voice acting. I want to try and challenge myself with my radio craft, and so I'm going to do some voice acting." I was sitting in an online class, and I felt like the grandfather in the room. That's how. I'm 42. Like, I don't consider myself particularly old, but I, was, I could have easily been the dad of every single other human in that, in that Zoom chat. And you might go to yourself, well, boat sailed on this one. I should not be doing this. But there was an incredible amount of encouragement that came through that. Guys were like, oh, man, it's good to see it an old guy sitting in here learning a young guy's skill. That's like, easy, tiger. (laughs) There is a great joy that comes in being actively learning new skills, new crafts, whatever it might be, right? Like, for me, personally, there's a real joy in learning. But in this passage, what we see is passivity. It's not an activity. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction. Sit under the authority of Scripture and receive my instruction. Watching daily at my doors. You're going to listen, you are going to watch, and you are going to wait. You know how unbelievably frustrating that passage is? It, it, it doesn't read, act on my instructions and be wise. Blessed is the man who talks to me and works out daily at my doors, running to my doorway. It doesn't say that, does it? Is that what we see with our community right now is a high, 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 high level of anxiety. Yeah? Have we all experienced that? There's a high level of anxiety. I'm telling you, in the community at large, there is. There is a significant level of anxiety, confusion, and we, we don't know what's happening. And as a result of that, if there's any uh, crisis or conflict, it escalates rapidly. You certainly see that um, uh, on a regular basis, I think, in interaction, everyone's just trying to be nice and calm and polite and gentle, right? 
And that's right because what it's trying to push us towards is this idea of listening, watching and waiting. This is the place where wisdom starts. Because if we're trying to promote a good community in 2022, the art of watching, waiting and listening is where humility starts. Watch, wait and listen. Why? Because we're not the expert in the room. Who's the expert in the room? God. And what he has to teach us is the expert in the room. So we watch, we wait, we listen. That is an act of humility. And as a result of watching, waiting, and listening, we find him. We find God. We find community. It goes on in um, Proverbs 12. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks the insult. This is going to be a season where we want to arc up at everything that feels like an insult. That is because of heightened anxiety. But a prudent man overlooks the insult. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is an opportunity for us to be faithful to what God has done for us through Jesus as well spoken by Donald in the communion message as he read the words of God. We can be truthful in testimony, but we can also use our words wisely to heal, not to destroy. I love this one. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. That in our church, as we look to form community, should be a place of shalom, which is the Old Testament word for peace, an everlasting peace, a robust peace. And if we are in the business of promoting peace, we find an avenue to joy. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked has a, have their fill of trouble. I think we kind of covered that in prayer. That we have a belief in the power of God and what he can accomplish. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in men who are truthful. Again, the power of our words becomes essential for the kind of community we seek to create. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fool blurts out folly. <laughs> I'm still wrestling with that one. <laughs> I feel like I spend a lot of time quick to speak. <laughs> I'm learning from Ian the art of quietly listening and measuring a response. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. You know, one of the things that I was most, um, most excited about um, 
is that on your form, our, our pantry has been running on and off all of last year. And those guys managed to give away 900 boxes of food. You know, there's a, there's a saying that we have at the jiu-jitsu gym. It's not about the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. Is that the pantry, not a particularly big pantry, only operates one day a week and still managed to serve 900 boxes of food in a year. That's the size of the fight in the dog. And I thought that that was a really huge encouragement that you see diligent hands making a significant difference. And then finally, I wanted to end with this one as a combat to an anxiety. Anxious hearts, uh, an anxious heart weighs down a man, but a kind word cheers him up. There is, and Athlete, I know you disagree with me. You disagree with a lot, and that's good. It's healthy. Um, there is a significant amount of anxiety in the room, in the community. Our way to combat that is not to talk about the anxiety. I think we, it's been acknowledged. <laughs> There's a lot we can be anxious about. But it's to come alongside people with kind words. And I think uh, my challenge for the year is to be a community of humble people that are bringing kind words and promoting peace and as a result of that experiencing joy. And so if we're going to kick 2022 off, that's where I want to kick it off. Humble people speaking kind words, promoting peace that brings about joy. And that's my encouragement to us today. And I think if we get confused, our place for wisdom is to go to the Proverbs and see how they speak about speech and the power that comes through speech. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just want to give you thanks and praise for your words, sweeter than honey, more powerful than a double-edged sword, Lord. You have the ability to separate our soul, bone and marrow, Lord, that it speaks to the heart that we might start this in a place in recognising the hindrances, but overcome those with good, with compassion, with love, with joy and with peace. Amen. <laughs>